When I went into the ministry as a young man, I had an idea of how it was supposed to all work. I became a pastor on January 27, 1997, standing behind a small pulpit in a school hall in Wanganui, New Zealand. I remember looking down at where my feet were standing and thinking, I became a pastor today for the first time. And, uh, and I had some ideas of what that would look like. I had ideas of going out and knocking on doors and winning people to Christ and having them come to church and getting baptized. And then as I preached, having them open the scriptures and learn and grow, I dreamed of them tithing, of course, so that they would pay the rent on the building and I wouldn't have to. I had an idea that they would become soul winners and they would go out soul winning with me. I had an idea that they would get involved in the ministry and they would become Sunday school teachers and junior church preachers and ushers and nursery workers. And I had an idea that one day I would stand behind that same pulpit and I would look out at a large crowd of people that I had personally won to Christ and I had discipled and trained and now they were all serving the Lord together. That was kind of my idea of how the ministry would, would work. And uh, the first few years were a little bit disappointing because I won a lot of people to Christ that never came to church. I had a lot of converts that got saved and they would come and get baptized and that was the last Sunday they ever showed up. I had people that came and they, they joined our church and they attended for a while and some that even got put in positions of leadership and then for whatever reason, they would come and say, Pastor, we're going to another church now. And I, I thought to myself, this isn't how it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to be winning these people and they're supposed to stick around. They're supposed to stay here and this church is supposed to grow and I'm supposed to be able to say, I won these people to Christ, these are my converts. But there came a day when I realized that God was doing it a different way. I think probably had it actually gone that way that it would have been really dangerous for me because I would have gotten proud. I tend toward pride. I don't know about you, but I tend to get proud. And I think God knew that I needed to stay humble. I also realized that it was a lot bigger than just Mark Bushy. That what God was doing wasn't about me. It was about him. And I realized that sometimes the people that I won were getting baptized. They just weren't getting baptized at Grace Baptist Church. They were getting baptized at a different church. I realized that people that came and got saved and baptized in our church were now attending other churches and sometimes even teaching Sunday school, preaching junior church and ushering and working in the nursery of other churches, and that that was fine. I realized sometimes that I would go out and I'd have five people say that they were coming to church and they didn't come to church, but God brought five other people. And I realized that God had his own plan. The Apostle Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, some plant, some water, but God. But God giveth the increase. And that God was busy doing it his way. Can we take a quick survey here this morning? Just real quick. How many of you that are here this morning got saved or got baptized in a different church? Would you raise your hand? Look around the room, would you, this morning? Aren't you glad that God took all of those people out of that church and brought them to our church? Because if you weren't here this morning, we wouldn't have a very large crowd, would we? No, the truth is, is that God is always building his kingdom and he's doing it his way. And we may have an idea of how it's supposed to work, but 
God has a better idea. That was really driven home to me one day when um, we were having testimony time, and uh, there was a specific lady that I had gone to two or three different times, and I had given her the gospel. I had gone through the gospel, and I like to think of myself as a, a fairly accomplished soul winner. Oftentimes when I'm witnessing to somebody and I say, if you died today, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? And they say, no. I say, this is a good day for you because I am an expert at showing people from the Bible how to go to heaven. I've, I've been handed just about every argument you can imagine. I've been asked about every question you can think of. And, uh, and I tell them I'm an expert soul winner. And so this expert soul winner had gone to this lady and two times at least, maybe three, had gone through the entire plan of salvation, got all the way down to the end and said, would you like to pray and receive Christ as your Savior? And uh, she said no. I was frustrated. Then one Wednesday night, we were sharing testimonies in a a lady in our church named Liz Fleming raised her hand to give a testimony, and she said, uh, Pastor, she said, today I was able to win a lady to Christ. And she gave the name of the lady, and it was that same lady that I had witnessed to two or three times and done the best job that I could. And, and I had not been able to win her to Christ, but this shy, almost timid lady in our church had been able to win that lady to Christ. And I thought, you know what? God can do it without Mark Bushy. God can build his church without me. God can win people to Christ without me. I don't, I, it's not my plan. It's not my, it's not my battle. It's, it's his plan. It's his battle. He's the one doing it. He just invites me to get involved. He lets me be a part. This morning, I want to introduce to you a family that is some of the most beloved people on earth to my wife and I. You're looking at a picture there on the screen of Kun Pong, his wife Kun Da, and their son Jack. Now, I have to explain a few things before we get into the story. <clears throat> the word Kun in Thai means three things. It means Mr., and it means Mrs., and it means you. So you have to use it correctly. When I say Kun Pong, I'm really saying Mr. Pong. When I'm saying Kun Da, I'm really saying Mrs. Da. The other thing you have to understand about Thai culture is that you can literally know someone for 20 years and not know their real name. Because everyone that you meet in Thailand, you address them with a title, and there are 40 or 50 different titles, and then by their nickname. So Kun Pong's real name is Tirapong. I didn't know that till last week. I have always called him Kun Pong. He has always called me Ajahn Mak. Because Ajahn is pastor, that's my first name. You always call somebody by their title and then by their nickname. And so Kun Pong is Tirapong, but I call him Kun Pong. I don't even know his wife's real name still. Just call her Kun Da. And uh, they call me Ajahn. My Ajahn is kind of like it. when you read in the Bible, uh, they call Jesus master or rabbi. If you read the Thai Bible, they called him Ajahn. That's their, their word for master or or, or rabbi, and so they called me Ajahn. They called my wife Ajahn Amber. That's what they called her. We Everybody had a title and a, and a, and a single name. And uh, <clears throat> this is Kun Pong and Kun Da and Jack. Uh, Kun Pong came to us about the first year of our existence in, in Thailand. The First Baptist Church of Nao Wong was about a year old when he first showed up for the first time, and this is one of the first pictures we ever took of him. Uh, this is him coming with his, with his wife, for the first time, and, uh, and eventually 
he became an important member of our church and started bringing visitors of his own and uh, became, uh, became almost like family. His wife became our, our housemaid. She would come over to the house a couple of days a week. She makes the best Penang guy in the whole world, and uh, she would make that for me. That's my favorite dish. And uh, they, just, they became very, very close friends of our family, and eventually he became a member of our staff, and there's one of our staff meetings there. And, uh, and I've, got, I've got about 90 pictures that I want to show you this morning. And so while I'm talking... Uh, the folks up in the in the uh, the audiovisual department up there are just going to start cycling through the through these pictures, and you're going to see from different times of life. You're going to see some people that you know. Uh, Pastor Wilkerson's in one of those photos. Some of them are a little bit out of focus, but I I just as we're going through, I want you to just get an idea of what God has done with this man that we call Kun Pong. Kun Pong's family is Karen. He was born in Thailand, so he's a Thai citizen, but he's from the Karen people, and therefore he's bilingual. He speaks the Karen language as well as the Thai language. He grew up in the jungles of northern Thailand. His dad was a pastor, and uh, his dad pastored a number of different churches, and every Sunday morning would get up very early in the morning and start walking the mountainous trails of, up, of northern Thailand to get to one of these, they call them uh, wild churches or jungle churches, and uh, anywhere from 10 to 15 miles away would walk there. And uh, Kun Pong was seven years old when he began walking with his dad to go to church on a Sunday morning. His grandfather was an evangelist that traveled around the jungles and preached in different churches, and they can follow their Christian lineage all the way back to when the Karen people lived in Burma and were reached by an American missionary named Adnam Judson. When Kun Pong was in his 30s, he was struggling to find a job, and so he decided to move to Bangkok so that he could find work there, and he brought his wife, Da and Jack down there, and they, they got a little house there. It just happened to be in the, in the village called Nawong. Kun Pong was driving an ice truck. He was an ice delivery man. That's the job that he got. And, and by the way, when it's 90 degrees every day in Thailand, delivering ice is a really good job. You have job security when you're an ice truck driver. And he was driving his truck one day, and he had parked outside of a 7-Eleven. That day, my wife was walking into the 7-Eleven, and as she walked up the steps into 7-Eleven, a Thai woman was coming down the steps, and my wife reached in her purse, and she pulled out a full-color gospel track in the Thai language and handed it to the lady as they passed on the steps there. The lady got to the bottom of the steps and looked at that pamphlet. She, she saw what it was, and she threw it in the gutter. And the reason that we know that is because Kun Pong was on the other side of the street he had parked his ice truck there, and he watched that little scenario happen. And as a Thai man watching that, he told me later, he said, my first thought was, why would anybody throw away something they got from a white woman? And so he walked across the street, and he dug around in the gutter until he found that gospel track. He turned it over. On the back of the track was the address of our church, and it just so happened that it was one block away that he had rented for his, from the house that he had rented for his family. And uh, he was already saved. He had been led to Christ when he was a young man by an American missionary, but he had not found a church yet. And he found that gospel track. And the next Sunday, he started attending uh, First Baptist Church of Not Wong. He became a faithful church member. And uh, as I said earlier, became very, very close friends with our family. Many of you remember in 2011, when our ministry was completely wiped out by a flood that was about the size of the state of Connecticut, 
displaced well over 2 million people. And our, our whole team had to leave Bangkok and move about three hours south to the city of Hui Hin. And when we did that, somebody had to stay on the property because looters were going out and, and robbing buildings and stealing everything they could find. And Kun Pong and his wife volunteered to stay in the church building. And for about two months, 57 days to be exact, they lived on the second floor of our church building while the first floor was covered by about three feet of flood water that looked more like used motor oil than it did like water. And he sacrificed to do that. Eventually, they decided to move south to Hua Hin and join our church there. They were very nervous about that at first because uh, they said to me, uh, Pastor, we know that there are Karen people here in Bangkok. We don't know if there are any Karen people down there in Hua Hin. But after they moved down there, they found out that there was a pineapple factory, a Dole pineapple factory, about 45 minutes away, and that about 4,000 workers that worked in that pineapple factory were all Karen people. Now, they were not Karen people from Thailand. They were Karen people that had been born in Burma. They had fled the regime there, the fighting and the, the, the war in Burma, and come across the border. But because they were Karen, they all spoke the same language that Kun Pong did. And Kun Pong and Kun Da began soul winning and reaching these people, going out, uh, out outside of the villages to places where there were just little clusters of homes and finding groups of Karen people and winning them to Christ. Soon after, my father and mother-in-law came out and joined us on Team Thailand. Pastor Randy Shook started a church out in that village called Nong Plop. And Kun Pong began to help him there because he already spoke the language. Eventually, after my father-in-law left... Brother Chad Inman and Kun Pong and a young man named Starr working together uh, began working in that church and helping it to grow. And today, Kun Pong is pastoring that church. And after pastoring that church for uh, a number of years now, there are many people that sit there uh, in that auditorium on a Sunday morning that are there because of his influence. And when I think about that story, I think about what's happening, I would say right now, but it actually happened about 12 hours ago, when they have their Sunday morning service over there in Thailand, I think, how many people had a part of what's going on there? Amen. Who's going to get the credit for what's going on in the village of Nong Plop on a Sunday morning? Is it Adoniram Judson, who went to the Burmese people a little over 200 years ago? and began reaching the Karen people? Is it Kumpong's grandfather, who as an evangelist, raised his family in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Is it Kumpong's father, who would get up and every Sunday walk 10 or 15 miles up and down the mountains in the jungle, trying to get to a little bamboo church somewhere so that he could preach the gospel, and bringing his seven-year-old son along with him? Is it Mrs. Bushy, because she handed out a gospel track? that brought him to our church? Is it the person that gave three cents to print the track? Is it the printer that made the track become a reality? Was it my mom who won me to Christ when I was seven years old so that one day I would go to the mission field and find him there? Was it my dad? Was it my brother Matthew who died while we were attending a non-gospel preaching church and through that difficult two years of my brother's life caused us to go looking for answers and brought us to a Bible preaching church. 
Was it my pastor who sat me down in the office one day and said, Mark, you need to go to Hiles Anderson College if you're going to train to be a missionary. Was it Brother Doug Calap who called me one day and said, can you meet me in Bangkok? Was it Dr. Daryl Moore who sat down at a table with me in a Tesco food court and said, Mark, we'd like you to be the team leader of Thailand and we'd like you to leave New Zealand and move to Bangkok. Was it Brother Chad Inman who's helped that man over and over and over to go from an ice truck driver to becoming a pastor or a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Was it Jim and Vicki Boyce who left their home in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and moved across the other side of the planet so that they could become friends and influence Kunpong and Kunda? Was it Brother Randy Shook, who at the age of 69 decided to start an independent Baptist church? Who, who, who gets the credit? Because every single individual that I've named is a part of the story of Kunpong and the First Baptist Church of Nong Plop. Was it Brother Sokropi, a police major who became my assistant pastor who helped Kumpong get his legal paperwork together? Was it Brother Tim Shook who sat down with the foundations of our faith discipleship curriculum, translated into the Thai language, and week after week taught, went through the 20 booklets of the same discipleship that we use here and taught that man the basic doctrines of the Bible? Was it Kunda who stood behind her husband, who never thought that she was good enough to be a pastor's wife, but by faith decided that that's what God wanted their family to do? Was it their teenage son who decided to do right and give his parents the opportunity to go into the ministry? So many different pieces of the puzzle. So many different people that have a part. And we look at the results and we say, here are these folks that are standing in a church today on the other side of the planet and they believe the same that we believe and they go soul winning just like we go soul winning and God's blessing them just like he's blessing here. And who gets the credit for that? And I believe that everyone does. Every single person that had a part in any way in that picture gets part of the credit. Would you look at your Bible again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3? The Bible says in verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It's God that takes all the little efforts, every little part that we have, every little thing that we do, and, and winds them all together to make a tremendous story. And every single story in this room has a lot of handprints on it. There are a lot of people who got you to, to where you are today, a lot of influences that came into your life. And we have an amazing God that knows every story and knows every part of that story and knows who's going to get the credit. Verse 7 says, so then neither is he that planted anything. I'm nothing special. You're nothing special. God could have done it without us. God could have put somebody else as the leader of the Thailand team. Somebody could have put a, another soul winner in that spot. Could have had somebody else hand out a gospel tract. Could have had a different missionary go to Burma. But God chose the ones that he did and they acknowledged that and they surrendered to that. And they had the wonderful privilege of being used by God to be a part of each amazing story that happens. Amen. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. We're all working together. If you teach a Sunday school class of five-year-old girls, you're doing a part of an amazing story. 
You don't know what the story is, and we're probably not going to know all of the story of anybody's story until we stand before the judgment seat one day and we get to hear those stories revealed, and that may be what we do for the first million years in heaven. But you can be part of it. You may be the usher that hands a visitor a card for the first time, and that's part of the story of them becoming a member of First Baptist Church. You may hand out a gospel track on a Saturday morning when it's five degrees below zero and think, I'm just wasting my time. But you don't know. You don't know. Because God can take any of that and all of that and weave that together into an amazing story. And he does. When you watch somebody get baptized today, who gets the credit for that? Is it Brother Moffat, who is the one that dunks him under? Is it Brother Grafton that reads the name? Is it the men in the back room that help them change into their, their, their little green outfit and gives them a towel? Is it the person sitting down here at the altar with a white card filling out their information? Is it the bus worker that invited them to come? Is it the soul winner that won them to Christ? Is it pastor because he preached the message and God used him to speak to their heart? The answer is yes. Yes, it's all of those. Because we're all working together, we're all working as one to accomplish what God wants. And, and, and the truth is, is that it ought to encourage you that God's using you, and that's not based on the results, it's based upon your labor. And it also ought to challenge you to ask yourself, what am I doing to be a part of the big story? How am I getting involved? The Bible says, he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. We tend to judge things by the result, don't we? How'd the ball game go? We give the score. How'd the business deal go? We give the profit. We measure the results of something, but God measures the labor. God says if you went out visiting on Saturday morning and you had six people promise to come and none of them came, I still saw what you did. And we receive the reward not by the result, but according to our labor. And be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Church, be faithful. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing right. Don't measure the results. Just give it all to God and let him use you because he wants to continue to do amazing things. I, I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of First Baptist Church of Hammond. I'm honored to be the missions pastor of First Baptist Church of Hammond. It's the joy of my life to be the director of Fundamental Baptist Missions International. I love being a part of that. But I realize that anybody could do it. God could take me out and put anybody in my place and the church would go forward and the mission agency would go forward because I'm nothing. I'm nothing special. I've just been given an opportunity to be involved and be a part. And I would be ashamed to sit in the great First Baptist Church of Hammond with one of the most amazing missions programs going in the world today and not be involved somehow. What a shame. To get to heaven to one day and say, God, I know you were doing a lot of amazing things, but I just, I just didn't participate. What a shame that would be. I want to encourage you. Whatever you're doing for the Lord, he's noticing. I love the passage where Jesus Christ said, you know, guys, if all you do is get a cup of water, give it to a bus kid in my name, I'm going to reward that. I love the fact that our God wants to reward us to the point where 
the Bible says he's going to come back bringing his rewards with him. He's like grandma on Christmas morning. I got a present, can't wait to watch you unwrap it. He wants to reward us. He's looking for opportunities to reward us. But I also think this passage ought to be a challenge to every one of us to make sure that we are involved in doing something. If you're not giving to Faith Promise Missions, you're missing out on the wonderful opportunity to be a part of hundreds and thousands of stories that are going on around the world today. And God's taking all of that and weaving that together into a beautiful tapestry that we're going to enjoy in heaven one day. Don't get left out. God needs you to pray. You say, Brother Bushy, I pray for hours. I see nothing result from it. God sees the prayer and God rewards the prayer. You can be involved. You can send an email. You say, well, I didn't get an answer back. God saw the email. God says, I'm going to give reward to your labor. Your own labor will bring your own reward. I beg you, be involved in what's going on. Be involved in the soul winning. Be involved in building this church. Be involved in the missions program. Do something because God wants to reward you for it. If you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. It would also be a tremendous shame to come to one of the greatest soul-winning churches in America today and to leave unsaved. If you don't know for sure that you're saved, I want to encourage you when the invitation begins this morning that you would step out of your seat and come down to the front. Find one of the men that are standing across the front here and let them take you to somebody that will show you what the Bible says about going to heaven. We want you in heaven with us. We want you to come along. And maybe today is that part of the story where you get saved and you spend eternity in heaven.